Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 14th, 2017. How are ya? I'm here. I'm back. I'm here to talk about some NBA basketball, specifically the NBA playoff picture. Now, things are starting to come into shape. We're about four weeks or so away from the beginning of the playoffs give or take a little bit. So uh, there's a really good sense you can look at what's going on in the NBA and you can grasp uh, at least who's going to be in, who's going to be out. You know, not all of the final decisions, but a good, uh, you know, a good a good litmus test of uh, who's going to be in. Um, excuse me. Hang, hang on. I got to blow my nose. Hang on. Thanks a lot for that. Oof, oh, yeah. I feel so much better. Just had to get had to get some gook out of my nose. Right, sorry. It's a little gross. I don't really need to go into that. Let's we're talking basketball. Let's talk some basketball. So, uh, as of today, as of Tuesday, March 14th, so pretty much, let's start with the Eastern Conference. You've got the Cleveland Cavaliers are sitting on top. They've been on top for a while, but Boston and Washington have been threatening them for a bit now. Uh, Boston is two games behind the Cavaliers. Washington's two and a half games behind them. Both of those teams, I think, are going to be you know, certainly trying to take that number one seed from Cleveland. They're also going to be trying to fight for the the 2-3 spot themselves. Um, sadly, Toronto has really slipped. And I think, you know, you can really attribute that a lot to injuries. They are currently sitting in the four spot. They're five games behind the Cavaliers. Um, they're dealing with the Kyle Lowry injury. And not having Kyle Lowry in the lineup has really sucked a lot out of that uh, Toronto Raptors team. And... Um, you know they're they're they've got some defensive liabilities and you know let's talk a little bit about Toronto just briefly for a second you know for the last four or five years they've pretty much just walked into the playoffs by taking that Atlantic Division title that Atlantic Division which consists of the Nets the Sixers the Knicks the Celtics and the Raptors you know only up until this year when Boston and last year is what last couple of years Boston has slowly gotten better but Toronto has owned that division, and they've just essentially taken the title and walked right into the playoffs. And up until last year, they really couldn't get past the first round. Even when they were the higher seed, I've mentioned this before, Paul Pierce killed them on the Nets. Next year, Paul Pierce killed them on the Wizards. Finally, last year was the first time you actually saw the Raptors get through the first round and make it to the conference finals. I feel like that magic has drifted away because now they've got a couple more years under their belt, a little bit more wear and tear. I mean, I like DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, but with Lowry being injured, I don't know if he's going to be 100% when he comes back to the lineup in time for the playoffs, if he comes back in time for the playoffs. Um, you know, I like the um, <coughs> excuse me, I like the moves they made by getting Serge Ibaka, getting P.J. Tucker, um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think you're going to see them locked into the 4-5 spot. You're going to see them playing the Atlanta Hawks, who are in the 5 spot. And are pretty much, I mean, re Toronto and Atlanta going in the 4-5 spot. That's that's a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't think either one of them is going to move up or down quick enough throughout the rest of the season. You're going to see them move. Um, but it's not a given that Toronto will get out of that series. Atlanta's got enough tenacity in them. Uh, to uh, to fight through. I, I mean, I could see that series going to seven games. Um, the interesting thing, I think, is a little bit more the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff picture. I was listening to Zach Lowe talk about this uh, yesterday on his podcast, The Low Post. Um, so you've got the Indiana Pacers, the Detroit Pistons, the Milwaukee Bucks, 
And then you've got the Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat all trying to fight for it. They're all sort of fighting for this last bit. Now, Indiana and Detroit, I think, are kind of locked in where they are. Uh, or at least, it, I just think Indiana, for all of their faults, they've got Paul George. And when you've got Paul George, you can make up for a lot of the other problems that they had. Um, and I like their squad enough that I think that you know they're not going to implode like the Chicago Bulls are doing right now. They're going to stand tough and stay pat to make it to the playoffs, but... If you put them in a seven-game series with Washington or Boston, I don't really know if they're going to make it out of there. Now, Detroit, I like what Detroit's been doing. I like Stan Van Gundy. I like Stan Van Gundy coach teams. I have not watched them that much this season. Um, the other night when I did see them play the Sixers, you know, the Sixers got out to a big, hearty lead in the first quarter, and then Detroit just manhandled them and ripped them apart and beat them by 20. Um, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about with Detroit. Um, I think that they're currently they're currently 33 and 33, absolutely even 500. And I think, you know, part of that is a, a product of Andre Drummond not really playing at the All Star caliber that I think there was. You know, there was an expectation. I think he was going to take another step forward this year. And I mean, I don't really know how that happened. Um, they've had some dysfunction in the locker room with Reggie Jackson, uh, but you know, nothing. Again, they're not. They're not like uh, the, the Bulls either. I don't think Detroit is imploding either. If anything, I think they're starting to figure out how to work together. You know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope has been great. He's been coming on strong as of late. You got Marcus Morris, who's been coming on strong as of late. I like Tobias Harris. I mean, they've got a squad, a better squad than than we could have said the last couple of years in Detroit. And uh, I, I don't think they'll make it out of the first round. Again, if they're playing Boston or Washington... I mean, I don't know if they'll be able to make it out of a seven-game series, but this is a legitimate team. You know, unlike the Bulls. The Bulls are just, I mean, they are an absolute dumpster fire. They, you know, they they traded for Michael Carter-Williams at the top of the season. He hasn't really worked out. They just traded away Doug McBuckets and Taj Gibson to get Cameron Payne. I don't really think he's working out. I mean, Rajon Rondo, that team is just absolutely coming apart at the seams. And you've got to really look at management, and you've got to look at Fred Hoiberg. I think there was a lot of a lot of optimism about the coaching Hoiberg was going to bring to this team, but it has not translated. And, I mean, now they really look awful. They really look bad. I mean, aside from Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade just, you know, playing hero ball, I mean, Chicago is is quickly coming apart. They're a half game outside of the eighth seed. Milwaukee currently is a half game ahead of them. But, I mean, this was a Chicago team that was sitting in the sixth or seventh seed only a week or two ago. Uh, I really – I don't think Chicago is going to get it together. I don't see them making it into the playoffs. Now, you talk about a team like Milwaukee. Milwaukee's been struggling to get into the mix all year. And, um, you know, the thing – and again, I heard them talk about this on the Low Post podcast, is, you know, Paul George is on Indiana. And at least with Paul George, you've got a superstar who who can take over a game so that even though you've got faults on the rest of the team, Paul George is still going to be able to just win a game or two on his own. Just put the team right on his back. You see the same thing with Giannis on Milwaukee. And if anything, Giannis, I think, is the entire reason why they're even in the hunt. Uh, I mean, you think about Embiid, on the Sixers, I mean, when Embiid was on the floor, the Sixers had a chance to win. When Embiid wasn't on the floor, they didn't really have a chance to win. And, you know, it's kind of similar with Giannis. When he's out there, Milwaukee's got a shot. When he's not out there, I mean, it's a bunch of older guys and D-League players who are trying to 
put something, make something out of nothing, especially now that Jabari Parker is down for the year. I mean, if Parker were still playing, I would absolutely pencil them into that eight spot and feel secure that they would hang tough for the rest of the season. Um, but without Jabari Parker, the real scary team in the hunt is the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat, which was an absolute dumpster fire at the beginning of the, to use the same terminology again, they were just bad. I mean, they're essentially accepting the fact that Chris Bosh is probably going to retire. I mean, he hasn't played all season. Um, you've got, uh, you know, they were they were practically tanking. I mean, this was a team that once Dwayne Wade left, I mean, they didn't. The only real meaningful signing they've done in this offseason was to go get Dion Waiters, and and that has worked out for them. Dion Waiters has been their superstar. I mean. You know, so many teams have written off Deion Waiters, but he has now been the guy for the Miami Heat. And then you start to throw in, you know, <clears throat> James Johnson looking all tenacious on that team. Goran Dragic is still really good. Hassan Whiteside is putting up 2020s. I mean, they have the talent, except that when you took Wade out of that equation, there was a real feeling like they had to hit reset. And they had to start thinking about moving on from Goran Dragic dumping salary on their team, and starting to get high up in the draft. But they've they figured out a way to make it work without them. I mean, I went to go see this Miami Heat team with my dad earlier this season, and Hassan Whiteside just chewed up and spit out the entire front court of the Sixers. And Goran Dragic looked great. I mean, Derek Williams was still on the team. He's on the Cavaliers now playing meaningful minutes, but he was on the team not playing meaningful minutes. And, I mean, I went to go see uh, Dion Waiters light it up. Dion Waiters... I mean, these are the sort of exciting guys that I think will drag this team into the playoffs. I actually, I'm going to make a call right now. I think the Miami Heat's going to steal the eighth seed. I think you'll probably see Miami playing Cleveland in the first round. And, um, you know, I kind of think, I think, uh, I think Boston, eh, I mean, Washington is really tenacious and they're only half a game behind Boston. I mean, I think Washington's going to take that second seed. And you'll probably see them playing uh, the Pistons or the Pacers. Like, I think you're going to see the Pistons and the Pacers playing either the Celtics and the Wizards. That feels like what it's going to look like in the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, that's that's the long and the short of it. I um, Cleveland, you know, they're they're getting their, their strength back. You know, J.R. Smith is coming back. I have faith that Kevin Love is going to be back in time. Um, you know, the team that I think t- that you really need to be scared of is is Washington. I mean, even more so than Boston. You know, I think Boston has a lot of the right pieces, but I kind of feel, I just, I have more confidence in the Bradley Beal, John Wall, and company working out better than Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas. I just think that there's some defensive elements on that Boston team where in the fourth quarter, Isaiah Thomas might score 30 points, but... If they can't play the same lockdown playoff half court defense, then you know with it whatever team they're playing, you know I mean because if you see Boston and Washington in a seven game series, I'm picking Washington. I I just I think they've got the tools. I think they've got the squad, and I mean I love both coaches. I love what Scotty Brooks has done with Washington this year, and I love what Brad Stevens has been doing with Boston. I mean that's going to be a hell of a series, and it might just come down to who has home court. I mean, that's the truth. I, I'm going to throw it right out there. It might come down to who has home court in that series. Um, okay, let's look at the Western Conference. Um, so now the biggest discussion right now is San Antonio and Golden State. 
Golden State's been sitting atop the West all season. As of last night, the Spurs caught them. They are now officially tied for the lead in the West. They have the same record, and the Spurs have the tiebreaker, so technically the Spurs are in the number one seed. Once Kevin Durant went down, I don't want to say the Warriors have been in a tailspin, but let's just say the only teams they've been able to beat have been teams they should beat, like the New York Knicks. Or, you know, they're probably going to be starting, uh, they're going to be playing the Sixers tonight in Oakland, California. They'll beat the Sixers, but everyone else, they haven't really been able to hang tough in there at all. You know, they lost to Washington. Um, Who the hell else did they play? I think they played... um, they played a few other Eastern Conference teams, and they dropped, you know, some shocking games, some games that they shouldn't have lost. Um, but instead, you know, they cannot find their way without Durant in the lineup, and they've got some time to try to right the ship. But you know, playoffs are soon. They've got to figure this out quickly. I know Durant's going to be back, but even without Durant in the lineup, they need to figure out a way to to kind of get themselves back into the you know this this dominating you know. You know, this dominating, switching defense, open shots, ball movement team, because, you know, now you're really starting to see them miss guys like Harrison Barnes. You're seeing them miss Andrew Bogut. You're seeing them miss Leandro Barbosa, these guys who could come in and make plays on their own. And I don't know if you can get that from Patrick McCaw. Um, you know, Ian Clark brings a lot to the table, but it's sort of like Ian Clark didn't get as many minutes on the floor in the past couple of seasons as he has this year. And, you know, Zaza is not Andrew Bogut. He doesn't have that same, you know, sort of defensive presence or huge body that Bogut used to be. Bogut was a big guy. He took up a lot of space, and I know you couldn't play him in the fourth quarter, but, you know, it really feels like you see them missing Harrison Barnes, missing him a lot, having that you know, stretch four who could go in there and, and, you know, guard some of these bigger guys that these other teams throw at them. Um, so the Warriors, it's just sad because I see them struggling right now. And I don't know what the answer is because, you know, Thompson and Curry are still out there. Draymond Green's still out there. It just feels like they need a little bit more depth on that team. It's crazy to think about it with the Warriors. I mean, I, I I don't know, like David West, I don't know if David West is kind of replacing Maurice Spates the way, you know, Maurice, you know, it's like, is David West giving you what Maurice Spates gave you last year? Now, they're two different players, so they're absolutely going to bring two different things to the game, but those minutes that Spates had last year are going to David West. And is he still doing the same, you know, is he bringing the same offense? I don't think he is. I think Mo Spates had more of a shot than David West. You know, David West is probably bringing more defense, but then again, we're talking about a team which is not defensive-minded. We're talking about a team that is all about shooting, and they're a great defensive team, but their, you know, their their instinct is to run the score up. Now, San Antonio, San Antonio's in an interesting situation because we have no idea what's going on with LaMarcus Aldridge. There's a real chance we don't see LaMarcus Aldridge for the rest of the season and playoffs. The crazy thing about them is I don't think it matters because Kawhi Leonard is fucking awesome. He is so good this year, so dominant, can shoot the ball, can play defense. And not only that, he's probably one of the one of the least flashiest superstars you have in this league. I mean, he is an MVP candidate. And again, I've said it before, the po- this is the first year of the post Tim Duncan era and the Spurs are trotting out this team and they're just 
They're waltzing right into 60 wins all over again. Manu Ginobili is playing fantastic quality minutes. Tony Parker, yeah, he's starting to age, but Patty Mills, I feel like Patty Mills has gotten better over the last three seasons. This is a better and more contributing Patty Mills than we saw on the 2014 championship Spurs team. Uh, I mean, David Lee is starting and playing quality minutes. Dwayne Dedman is playing quality minutes. I mean, these guys, Kyle Anderson, I mean, you got to give it to Greg Popovich. Again, making this Spurs team just go right out there and and give everybody a challenge. Um, I mean... Looking at the schedule and looking at the rest of the season, I think the Spurs are going to lock up the one seed. And I think Golden State is probably going to be close behind them. But there's a very real chance that neither of these teams care whether they're in the one or the two. Now, I'm going to go down the list, but it does matter because when you start talking about the seven seed and the eight seed in the West, there's a big, big difference. Um, the eight seed is probably going to be a team that's under 500 and is schlocky and awful. So that number one seed is probably going to be a cakewalk for whoever gets it. Um, right now, the Denver Nuggets are in the eight seed. There's a few other teams that are trying to chase them, but I don't think they're going to get them. Portland is a Portland's two games behind Denver. Uh, I don't, I don't really think Portland has the the weaponry to kind of catch up to them. Uh, but you know, maybe no. No, it's, it's either Portland or Denver right now, and I think Denver's going to eke their way in. Um, but there's five games. There's a five-game difference between the seven seed and the eight seed in the West. So the number two seed, like the Warriors, they're going to have a much, you know, much nastier opponent in that first round than the number one seed. So there's an incentive to go chase that one seed, but I don't know if the Warriors or the Spurs are going to sacrifice resting their players and getting into playoff ready shape uh, in order to kind of catch that seed. You know, if it, if, if Steve Kerr has to make a decision between resting his superstars or going for the number one seed, he's going to rest his superstars because he knows they just need to get into the playoffs. Once they get into the playoffs, it's a whole new season. So after the Spurs and the Warriors, then you start talking about the Rockets. You got the Houston Rockets, who have been an absolute revelation this year. You put you made James Harden the point guard. You put a whole bunch of shooters around him, and all of a sudden, Mike D'Antoni is the coach. This is the Phoenix Suns all over again. Seven seconds or less. He's got tons of shooters. Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, Clint Capella has been a fantastic substitute for Dwight Howard, and he's not nearly as much of a bitch in the locker room. I mean, I really like what um, Houston has been doing. I, I wish they had a little bit more defense. Um, I like that Lou Williams trade. I think he brings... I mean, they are a shooting lights-out team. You've got to be... you got to really... You can't sleep on this Houston team. If anything, they're starting to feel like the Golden State Warriors of two seasons ago. I mean, just this team that can pour 140 points on you at any given time if you're not looking. And, you know, that's something that cannot be taken lightly. They're not going anywhere because they are six and a half games behind the Warriors and the Spurs, and they are four games ahead of the number four seed, which is the Utah Jazz. Now, now we need to talk about the four, five, six, and seven seeds in the West because they are right up against each other. You got the Utah Jazz, LA Clippers, Oklahoma City Thunder, Memphis Grizzlies. Now, the Jazz and the Clippers are right now. They're, the Jazz are two games ahead of the Clippers. That's going to be your 4-5 seed. Now, who actually comes out and gets the uh, the home court advantage is really going to be the question. I, um, 
I'm suspecting Utah. Utah has really had a fantastic year. They've been really the guys who have turned heads. Quinn Snyder uh, is going to be a Coach of the Year candidate. Rudy Gobert has been fantastic. Um, Gordon Hayward is is really coming into his own. Joe Johnson playing fantastic minutes off the bench. Derek Favors. I mean, all of these things. George Hill, finally healthy, playing great minutes for the Jazz. All of these pieces that the Jazz have been putting together slowly. You know, the last couple of years, they've quietly been building a very competitive team. And this is this is the year we're finally seeing the fruits of their labors. And um, this is a team you can't sleep on. Uh, Rudy Gobert is a real defensive presence. Gordon Hayward is a superstar in his own right. Uh, I mean, this is a team where, you know, and whereas you look at the Clippers, okay, the Clippers at the beginning of the season, they were the darlings of the NBA. They came out guns blazing. They were fantastic. I mean, they were absolutely right up at the top of the league with everybody else. But then Chris Paul gets hurt. You know, Blake Griffin misses some time. Uh, you know, every they've, they've had injuries up and down over the course of the season, and they've really struggled to find their way combined with the fact that you also, they're lacking depth now. You know, I know they've got guys on their team like Paul Pierce, um, Luke and Bob Butte, but they're struggling with depth. You know, beyond Chris Paul, you know, they got Austin Rivers, they got Jamal Crawford, they don't have much after that. You know, after you start looking at J.J. Redick um, and, and DeAndre Jordan and the key guys, they lose a lot when you go to their bench. And this is a team that kind of can't afford to really be thin because their window is closing as well. You know, year after year, you were really hoping that the Clippers were a team that could advance, could get to the conference finals. But, I mean, sooner or later, Blake Griffin's going to leave. J.J. Reddick's going to leave. Chris Paul's going to leave. And this team's going to be right back at square one. And you either need to think, is this the time to re-up or is this the time to go all in? And, I mean, it feels like this is their all-in season. But, I mean, whether they get home court against the Jazz or not, I don't see them coming out of a series with the Jazz. I mean, that's not true. I mean, they could. I mean, they've got Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Those guys are so damn good that, I mean, that alone could be enough for them to claw their way out of the first round. But I just, I don't feel positive about what I've seen with the Clippers. I I just, I want to see depth on their team, and I don't see it. I don't see it. And, you know, as soon as you take one of that key, one of those key pieces off the team, I mean, they lose a lot. So, um, lastly, let's talk about the 6-7, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Oklahoma City has been Russell Westbrook's triple-double machine all season. But for all of his brilliant triple-double, uh, you know, his record-setting, you know, he's in the MVP discussion, he's doing, you know, he's breaking Wilt Chamberlain's record for the most triple-doubles in the season, whatever, throw all that fucking shit out the window, this team is still 37-29. and 29. Aside from Westbrook, there's I, I real I challenge you to name, you know, any other superstars on that team. You know, they got Steven Adams, they've got Ennis Cantor, they just traded for Taj Gibson, you know, they've got Victor Oladipo. Oladipo's like the closest thing I can think of, but it is still the Russell Westbrook show. And I got news for you. This looks very similar to what it looked like two years ago when Kevin Durant broke his foot and had to have multiple foot surgeries and sat out the bulk of the season. And it turned into a Russell Westbrook show, triple doubles every night. And do you remember? And he was in the MVP discussion. You remember what happened to the Thunder that season? They finished ninth 
in the Western Conference and miss the playoffs. So it was the same situation where Russell Westbrook just decided to play hero ball, do everything himself, but it wasn't enough for them to make the playoffs. And I think we're going to see a similar situation here. I don't see Russell Westbrook and the Thunder getting out of the first round. Yeah, I said it. I'm throwing it out there. I don't see it happening. I see them I see them staying in the sixth seed. I don't think Memphis is going to catch them. I mean, listen, they might. Memphis has been, you know, and you really got to give credit to uh to David to David Fisdale, new coach there. You know, he's made the most out of that roster because Zach Randolph is I don't know what the hell's going on with him, but he is clearly in the decline. They're bringing him off the bench. You know, Mark Gasol and you know, they Mike Conley was down for a chunk of the season. You know, Marc Gasol's been probably the one bright spot that's been playing all year, Tony Allen. Chandler Parsons, they gave Chandler Parsons max money, and I just read today that they're now talking about how he's got a meniscus tear in his other knee that hasn't had surgery on it, and they're going to shut him down for the year. I mean, Chandler Parsons might never be, he might never come back to what he was when he was in Houston ever again. Um, And uh, it's a real shame, but Memphis is just, they've got... I like that squad. I think they've got good pieces because they're th- that's a squad that is doing all of this with nobody who you really recognize. Um, again, I don't think they're going to get out of the first round. There's a very real chance they'll play the Warriors or possibly the Rockets in the first round. And I think it's going to be a tough playoff series because I think Memphis doesn't get as much credit as they deserve um, regarding you know how cohesive that team is and you know how they're able to do what they do, but. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see them making it out of the first round. And you know, listen, they, I, I do kind of see them. There's a very real chance they could catch the Thunder, and then the Thunder finish in the seven seed, and you got the Thunder playing the Warriors in the first round. Now, that, you want to talk about Kevin Durant, a little revenge ball in the first round of the playoffs against his Warriors or against his Thunder? I mean, now that. Now you're talking about primetime television, okay? That's a, that's a playoff series. That's a first-round series everybody's going to want to watch, and that's going to be on primetime. It's going to be on the national television stations. Whoo, that's must-see TV if you ask me. Now, the Denver Nuggets in the eighth seed, I, what's there to say? You know, they, listen, I, they've done some great things with their squad. I like Danilo Gallinari. I like Jamal Murray. He's been, he's been probably one of the best rookies out of this draft class. Um, Coach Malone, I like what he's done. You know, there's a lot of things to be optimistic about with Denver, but they just, they need a superstar. They just need a superstar because they've been wallowing in this sort of, you know, purgatory ever since they traded Carmelo Anthony. And until you fix that, until you bring in like a real blue chip on that team, I mean, I think this is where they're going to be living, you know, for a while now. Um, and I think whether it's the Spurs or the Warriors, they walk into either one of them is going to smack them in the mouth. And I mean, might be, might be a four game sweep, might be four games in and out real fast. That's a game that's not going to be on national TV. That round one series between the Spurs and the Nuggets or the Warriors and the Nuggets. Yeah. That thing is going to be, that'll be on NBA TV or, you know, it just won't be on national TV. And the first round, there's always like a series here or there where all of a sudden they're just like, eh we don't need to put this on ABC. Eh, we'll just, we'll, we'll put it on a Tuesday night and air it during another game. Um, anyway, listen, that's, I just had to get on the mic, talk a little bit about this NBA playoff picture. I'm getting really excited. Um, I really want to see how things shake out. It's a shame my Sixers are not in the mix, but 
Sixers haven't been in the playoffs in about four or five years now. I don't want to get my hopes up. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening, everybody, to Sam Sports Podcast. It means a lot to have some listeners out there. Um, as always, uh, subscribe to me on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. I want to give a special thanks to Don Kenyon for uh, composing the Sam Sports Podcast theme music. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm going to be back real soon. I'm working on a podcast project with uh, my friends uh, Sarah Fanny Cohen and Nick Bannon and Rob Ebert. Um, we're, um, trying to produce some more basketball related stuff. Uh, it should be really exciting, getting excited to work on it. Um, but in the meantime, enjoy the B-ball. I'll be back, uh, talking about some NFL free agency soon and, uh, some more NBA playoff picture stuff. Uh, plenty to talk about, plenty to watch. But in the meantime, until we talk again, bye-bye.